welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. Well, God bless you. Well, it's great to see you. There's a few new faces here as well, a few faces I haven't seen in a while. So, um, and actually over here to my left, I'd like to say a warm welcome to Pastors John and Sandra. If you don't know them, these are a a great couple, a couple I've known, I'm not even going to guess, but I would say most, if not all of my life. And if you don't know who they are, they're Deborah's mom and dad. My in-laws are my my father, my second pair of uh, parents, let's say. So we love you. Good to see you. And if you don't know much about um, our church backgrounds, um, um, pastors, pastors, John and Sandra have had a long-standing relationship even with this house, and I love sometimes sitting, chatting with uh, John because he always reminds me of things that I remember or I knew of or I heard from different sources when things were happening as a child, whether it was the camps and things that we were involved in. Maybe I was too young to be playing the drums back then, but I, I was watching the drummer. All right, any keen drummers? And I was watching the instrumentalist, or I was watching how things were done. And these stories I love to talk about. So there's good memories. There's, uh, there's great wisdom. And you know, you know, we're talking about the local church over the, over the last number of weeks, and I'm just going to continue as well to do that this morning. But as we talk about the local church, you know, we are fitted together. We're built together. The Bible explains it very, very clearly. We are built together as lively stones or living stones and you know, not each of, we're not, we're not an island, right? We're connected to each other. And I liken it to the jigsaw. I've, I've, I've talk, talked that way before. As a jigsaw, you see the whole picture. God sees the whole picture. When you start your jigsaw, you start with the whole thing. You look at the box and you go, oh yeah. And then you start, you start with the corners and you start doing your jigsaw, putting things together. Well, God is putting this jigsaw together. It's his church. But who you're connected to, you know who you're placed alongside? Take note. Pay attention to the people that are in your life that are beside you, that have been locked in beside you. Because within that person holds a key to your life and holds purpose for your life and likewise to their lives. And it's been great being part of um, John and Sanders' home uh, and ministry uh, because they've had great input into my life and others even in this house and uh, so it's great to honor you today and uh, welcome you to, to BCC. So this morning, let me just open my notes. We are, we're going to continue. And today, Karen asked me just to continue the subject of uh, the church. Great subject. We've spoken on it many times throughout the years. And th- this particular Sunday, I'm going to talk about the royal priesthood. And you've maybe heard this uh, mentioned many times. You if you've been in this church for any, any major length of time, you'll have heard these terms quite often. Perhaps, perhaps you're not familiar with the real connotation or what they mean. So we're going to just look at that a little bit, open the lid on some of these concepts, and really bring it back into what, is, what are we doing in church. And I've kind of entitled this, this uh, message, Who Am I? That's a big question, isn't it? Who am I and why do I love church? Could you answer that? Could you answer the second part even? Why do I love church? Well, let's hope that we can answer it at the end. I'm just going to share a wee story. 
right? A friend was in front of me coming out of church one day, right? Not really me, I'm reading out of a book. And the preacher was standing at the front door and he always likes to be there to shake hands. And he grabbed my friend by the hand and pulled him aside. He said to the pastor, or the pastor said to him, you need to join the army of the Lord's son. And my friend replied, I'm already, you know, I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor. And the pastor questioned with a kind of one of those wry smiles. And he says, well, how come I don't see you except at Christmas and Easter then? Uh-huh. And the guy talks back and or mentions back and whispered. He says, don't tell anybody. I'm in the secret service. <laughs> you know, being part of church is to be part of the very fabric and nature of what is happening in that local church. Being born again, you're part, as Karen has explained very well, you're part of the global, universal church, God's great big family. But in this church, you're part of something unique, something peculiar, and something special. What God is looking to do through you as a people, or through us as a people, and in that locale, for us it's Bangor, right? And um, carry, these are concepts, these are things that are real and carry revelation, they carry power, they carry energy, they carry wisdom and having a church that's alive unto God is unreal, right? It's not just something you do at Easter or Christmas, weddings or funerals where there's something where you've invested in that church, where you're invested in the kingdom of God you see the fruit in your life and the life of those around you that you're connected with and ultimately you are coming to glorify God there's something special about that, it's God calls the church his own special people. So turn with me to 1 Peter 2 verse 9, Ryan, maybe you can pop that up. And just even before I launch into that, Psalm 122 says this, I was glad when they said to me, can anyone finish it? Let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. You know, there's something about that statement. There's anticipation. In fact, so I can imagine people saying that to each other, the writer was actually David, a psalm of David, saying, I was glad, saying to one another, when they said unto me, let's go. And the the reaction of the person who was receiving the let's go was, yes, come on, let's go. And uh, there's a statement there that's loaded with excitement, loaded with anticipation. And that's, that's, that's something that we want to take away this morning. Church is just not somewhere we come and sit Church is somewhere where we come and we participate, we function, we do, right? We don't sit, we come, we function, and we do. I was glad when they said to me, tomorrow's the Lord's day. This is the place and the time when you go together to function together and have divine worship, divine worship to the living God. It's a place that the Lord dwells and he has built it using lively stones. It's you and me. They're carefully seated and placed in position where its foundation is one is Christ himself. So if a person is genuinely asking to know you, so somebody walking down the street or an interview question or uh, somebody you're meeting in in a gathering, there's not many gatherings right now, was to ask you, uh, who are you and what do you do? You know, that's sometimes a difficult question. I sometimes freeze. (laughs) 
who am I and what do I do? It's hard to explain. I mean, I don't. I think probably most people don't know what I do for a living. You've known me for years. It's hard for me to explain it, right? If you really want to know, yeah, you need a you need an R at least. But what? Normally we'd say, well, I'm I'm such and such, and these are my kids, and they're over there. There's my my mother. There's my brothers. Uh, you'd explain a little bit about who you are, your family, and then you maybe say, well, so what do you do? Well, I, you know, uh, and then you go on, maybe if you're a nurse or if you're a doctor or if you're an electrician, whatever, you might be able to just cough that one out. But who are you really? Who, who are you? And what does God say you are? You see, often when we're asked that question, we're very much uh, involved with myself. What do I think about myself? Who am I? Who, who do I think I am? right? And we're very much driven, this is people in general, with uh, self-esteem issues. And those self-esteem issues come from various forms. Um, And no wonder people have complex issues when um, we're concerned about our appearance, we're concerned about wealth, we're concerned about um, how how I'm looking. It all comes and forms a measure of, do I measure up? And most people, somewhere on a spectrum, have issues with themselves not measuring up. Why? Because we judge ourselves. We're, we're looking at ourselves introspectively, how I am, things. Well, I want to tell you something about your giftings. Talent is shallow. Right? If you think you're brilliant because you play the guitar or you sing, it's shallow. If you think you're good or... I'm okay because I'm wealthy. Wealth is never enough. If you think, well, everyone's okay with me because at least I've got my looks, your appearance and beauty will always fade. Right? There is nothing in this earth that lasts. And therefore, everyone, whatever gifting, whatever benefit that you have is temporal. And therefore, everyone innately, without Jesus, is susceptible to lowest self-esteem, to, to issues and complexities of varying factors. And we don't really know how to answer that question. But self, is, you know, it develops from um, appearance, wealth, or talent. All of these have no bearing. When you read 1 Peter 2, verse 9, let's read it together. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. My goodness a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his light. You know, when you read that scripture, right, in the backdrop of what I just said, when you read that, what is God saying about you? God is declaring that over you. Peter's actually writing this, and he's saying, you know, take your identity not from who you think you are. Take your identity from what God says you are, for you are a chosen generation. You are the royal priesthood. There's only one royal priesthood and you're a part of it. You are a holy nation. You are, you know, his own special people. You know, f- since the beginning of time, God's been set on having his own special people. We see it through scripture. Um, and then right into the New Testament, in this, in this looking, we see... No difference here that God is looking 
for his own special people. Jeremiah 31 verse 1. I don't know if you have that, Ryan. I will be the God of all families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Exodus 4, 23. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, this is Moses uh, in the land of Egypt. Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Israel, God's chosen people, his own special people, was given the title firstborn. That's very similar to another person who had a name firstborn. Anyone know who that is? Jesus, right? Jesus had the name firstborn. It's interesting the fact that God's chosen people had are connected with Jesus in that way. They're both called the firstborn of the Father. So, I'll finish that scripture. Israel is my son, my firstborn, so I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. So Peter here is um, underlining a, a key thing about a chosen generation. We'll just start off with chosen generation. Peter is underlining the value of people. We can see that God from the beginning has sought a special people. And he's chosen you, right? So bringing this forward to the New Testament, we are a chosen people. It starts in families. It starts as a child of God. We're a child of God first. We're priests second. But we're a child of God. Um, and God has taken us like a lively stone and he's placed us together. Therefore, Jesus and the church will forever go together. They can't be separated. They, they have this co-joined name, firstborn. Jesus is described, as you know, as the foundation of, our, of, of the church. And the church and Jesus, the chief cornerstone, cannot be separated. They, can't, they are forever linked. And you know that scripture in Ephesians 2 that says, having been built together, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Have you got that there, Ryan? Go to the next one, verse 22. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And what's next? In him you also, right, are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I think this is wonderful in the context of what I've just brought out. Jesus is the firstborn of the Father. We see it. He gave the name firstborn to Israel when Moses was talking to Pharaoh. And we can see here that the church is not just the made up of the body, but we know the church has a head, and the head is Jesus Christ. So when we talk about that in whom you also are being built together, quite often when we talk about that scripture, it's in the context of the body, right? us in our ministry. This is who the church is. But the, the church is not the church unless it's whole. And the body is not whole if it doesn't have a head. So the body and the head together form the church with Christ at the head. And then when that link is made together strongly, interconnected, then the church is a place, a dwelling place for the Lord. That's then the only time that God can inhabit the praises of of his people. As a body, doing what the body does, coming to church, doing what we believe is right according to scripture and praise and worship and bringing the word, without having that Christ-centered aspect and Christ in the midst, Jesus in the midst, we aren't able 
to create that throne home, that habitation for the Lord. It's together, when we read that scripture together, it's with the Lord. It's with Jesus Christ at the head. The church, together with Jesus Christ, are the firstborn. We're almost treated by God. This is how special we are. The Bible calls us a special people, His very own people. He even calls us His firstborn if we take on that identity. Just like Jesus. Imagine that. The church with Jesus at His head. Think of who and how God loves the church. So we're just picking up this message. Love what God loves. God loves the church. Christ loves the church. And Christ, Jesus Christ at the head of the church, being the very focal point of the church, being the foundation and the cornerstone of the church, together create that throne room. Together bring a, a, make a place for ha- the habitation of God. So we can't separate Jesus Christ from the church. When we speak about these kind of verses, we it says also, we are also being built together because we're already being built with Jesus. So we are children first. Still talking about the chosen generation. Um, John 3 verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. We are children first, belonging to His family. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, The Lord appeared of old to me, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you. And I've just added on that part of 1 Peter 2. I've drawn you as living stones, right? Alive unto God. We're alive unto God. We just don't come at Easter. We don't come at Christmas funerals and weddings, we are part of the very fabric of what God is speaking about right here. This is huge. It's so big, and I'm going to come onto this in a little bit. How big church really is. First, verse 17, now we are children, so children first. We're family first. God loves us first, that he gave his only begotten son, but now if we are children, it says in Romans 8, 17, then we are heirs of the Father, joint heirs with Jesus. Then, but we are children first. We are family first. Then comes our priestly function, right? I'm just going to go into that a little bit. Let's just move into the royal priesthood because there's so much meat here that we really can't go too deep. Old Testament priests, just to, just what... Talking about the royal priesthood, let me just touch on the Old Testament priests. This was an office. It was an elevated position. It was a position of great importance. And it was occupied by the male descendants of Aaron. And we also know of the, the, the name is also the Levitical priesthood. So the priests together form the priesthood. And this is the Old Testament, right? So this is all around the the um, the. Aaronic priesthood, um, or the uh, the the old temple, the the tabernacle, where you had the priests that were continually sacrificing blood sacrifices to atone for our sins, to atone for um, um, yeah all the all the wrongdoings, all the sin of the people, and this was continually happening. Um, so, 
their duties were to minister before God in the temple, offering blood sacrifices for the sins of God's special people. You see, there were still God's special people, but they were flawed. They were in sin. There was no way out of this sin nature. And to do that, there was a continual sacrificing of the, the animals. And, a, and a, there was a, a gruesome, ugly scene that went on every day where these Levites and priests had to perform these rituals and duties in order to appease the sin nature of man because God still saw past that. He wanted to see perfect who he could have his own special people. Moving forward, because that was imperfect, right? That was not God's perfect plan for his, his people. He wanted to have his own special people that he could just commune with. We have this mystical character, something we know somewhat about, but not everything about. And his name is um, Melchizedek. And Melchizedek uh, talks of another priesthood. And we see that largely opened up in Hebrews 7. Um, it talks about Melchizedek um, being the king of Salem and the priest of the, the high priest of the most high God. So here we see a figure who is not only a high priest of the most high God, but he's also a king. And if you know the story, he met Abraham coming back from the, the, the four kings. And um, he met him on the way and he was... He gave him a tenth of it, all that belonged to him. He gave it as homage, as to pay tribute, to honor this um, superior being who was Melchizedek, a king of Salem and high priest. And, you know, translated king of um, Salem means um, king of righteousness and king of priest. And this figure was someone who was without mother, without father, without genealogy, neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God who remains a priest continually. And this all happened before the Old, Tef the Old Testament priesthood was put into motion. In fact, it was Levi who was the third son, right, of Jacob. They were set apart for the ministry. They were set apart for the ministerial duties of the temple. They, they were the descendants of Abraham. So what I'm talking about with Melchizedek happened three generations before even the, covenant, the old covenant was set up. So we see this, um, this uh, Melchizedek figure and priesthood figure being a, an archetype. He was a type of Christ. In fact, he was really that he, 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 he was Christ. Okay? And we see that Jesus, after he was resurrected... We see that he was given that place, that order of uh, high priest of the order of Melchizedek. In other words, all of those names that I described are very similar to the names that you see described of Jesus in Isaiah, right? And so Jesus actually then put, put on that mantle. He was the high priest of the most high God. He is king. He's the king of kings. And he is the high priest of the order of Melchizedek. And I want to just remind you now that we are not priests in the sense of the Old Testament because that's gone. That's been abolished. But there is a new course. There's a new priestly course and it's of a different order. There's no blood sacrifices anymore, as you know. But there is the sacrifice of praise. There is coming to the Lord and offering your worship as a sacrifice. You're bringing your sacrifice, you're bringing your worship to the Lord. And this new order, the order of Melchizedek, is a priestly order. And I want to tell you, you belong to it. And it's for that reason, Peter says, not only are you a chosen generation, 
but you're a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Not just the priesthood. You're a royal priesthood because we're partakers of that anointing that Jesus has. He is king of kings and he is high priest. And we are partakers of that anointing and heirs of that same promise. And we stand as the church, the redeemed of the Lord. We stand as the royal priesthood. What a privilege we have as the church. That's an issue blows my mind. We are the royal priesthood. How can you have an issue with, a, with self-esteem? How can you have a complexity around how you look when the Lord says, you are my chosen people? You are a holy nation. Not only that, you're royalty and you're my royal priesthood. There's a bit of an onus on us to function then because a priest... A priesthood has a function, right? We're not just a people that look good, do certain things. We, we function before the Lord. We minister before the Lord. The priesthood ministers before the Lord. If you look at the, if you look at the old covenant, the priests ministered before the Lord on behalf of the people. Every day within the temple, they had duties, they functioned, they prayed, they sanctified themselves, they were clean. They had duties, and boy, if they messed up in those duties, there was consequences. Now, going forward into the New Testament, we're the royal priesthood. We have duties, and it's ministerial duties. We come as the royal priesthood. We bring ourselves as the royal priesthood into church, into the sanctuary, and we perform duties, not out of performance sake, but we function as the priesthood. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 6 says, you are the temple of the living God. See, the, the old temple's gone. It's obliterated. There is a new temple, and it resides right here. It's your heart, right? The Bible says, I will dwell among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. It also says in in Exodus 25, verse 8, it says, build me a sanctuary. This is just a day. This is Moses. Um, and this is just really at the foundation of the ordinance of the, the old covenant. And God says to Moses, build me a sanctuary. Build me a sanctuary. This is just before the tabernacle, the old tabernacle was constructed or, or designed. That I might dwell with them. He doesn't say people. He says them. I want to say you're part of them. The Lord says, build me a sanctuary that I may dwell. And that tabernacle was a, was a passing thing. It was temporary. The lasting tabernacle is the tabernacle of the heart. That's our sanctuary. Build me a sanctuary that I may come and dwell. God dwells in his people. He dwells in the royal priest. We talk about habitation. We talk about the manifest presence of the Lord. When we come together and bring our praise, when we come together and bring ourselves, we form the royal priesthood. Where the royal priesthood is functioning, there we see the habitation of God amidst the praises of his people. It's fantastic. Hallelujah. So, yeah, 
Back to 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. We've heard this before in recent weeks. Saith the Lord. Come out from among them. That's, that's us. That's the church. We've come out from among them. It doesn't say come out from among them and be weird. It doesn't say come out from among them and be antagonistic. Inconspicuous. Way over there in the corner. No, we are to be different. We are to be separate. We're not meant to be like weirdos, right? Church is not meant to be like off-putting to people. We are to be attractive. We have to be a, a, have a God nature in church, in the royal priesthood. That's attractive. That carries dignity. It's not just anything goes. It carries dignity. It carries with it the presence of being and all of that fullness. So, but rather than being weird or inconspicuous, we are to be dignified together, wholesome, different, truthful, and humble. C.S. Lewis, if you could just put up this quote, this is a fantastic quote. This is about, this is what C.S. Lewis said about the believer. Now, I want you to get this picture about yourself because there's no room for low self-esteem when you're part of the royal priesthood. You're a dazzling, radiant, immortal creature, pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom, all love as we cannot now imagine. A bright, stainless mirror which reflects back to God perfectly, though, of course, on a smaller scale, His own boundless power and delight and goodness. Whoa, imagine, I mean, that's just put into words what really God thinks about you and has intended for you. That's certainly how we're going to be in heaven, right? And that's how we're intended to function as the priesthood. It's a special people, a holy nation set apart, set apart to function. Who's dazzling here this morning? Any radiant people here this morning? Come on. We should be bouncing in church. The royal priesthood needs to be attractive. We need to be able to be a beacon to those other nations, to those other peoples who are foreigners, who are outside of the kingdom of God, who are outside of the, the royal priesthood. But let me tell you, the door is open. They're welcome to come in. Do they know about the royal priesthood? Are we radiant enough? Do we do? Are we such a? Are we bright a bright enough beacon that people will really come to be the, to join and be part of the CMY priesthood that we're talking about? We're not to be antagonistic. We're not to be bad citizens. We are to love our neighbor. We are to love on others, and we are to shoot forth. The Bible says to show forth in Ephesians. The church is to show forth the show forth the manifold wisdom of God. Not just to your neighbor. It says to the heavenly realm, to the principalities and powers of darkness. It goes even beyond our people groups. We, the church and the royal priesthood, speaks and declares beyond our realm of natural influence into the heavens. The role of church and the function of the priesthood is huge, and it is wonderful. And we are delight to delight in these things and be blessed by them. You are not inconspicuous. You are not insignificant. You are not 
small. Psalm 8, verse 5, you probably know it. It says, and you have been crowned. This is, this is mankind. This isn't even talking about the redeemed right now. See, God created every person, whether they're redeemed or not today, God created mankind. And all of us have been crowned with glory and honor. And I'm thankful that those of us who have been redeemed into God's family have, are forming the royal priesthood, are able to bring our glory and our honor and our crowns and present it to the Father in worship. What a privilege we have. And that is why God is jealous for his people, because he created them special. I'm talking about, sorry, I'm talking about all people. He created men and women, families on the earth, all nations, all tribes. They are special to him. He created them to have glory and honor. And that glory and honor, the Bible says in, in Exodus 25, what agreement, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. So if you're not born again today, if you're not part of the royal priesthood or the redeemed, you have been created with, with, with beauty. You've been created with something that's special. You've got a crown of glory and a crown of honor. And if you're not giving that to God, who are you giving it to? You're giving it to idols. You mightn't realize that, but you are. It doesn't belong to God, so it belongs elsewhere. We are to bring, when we, when we are saved, when we are the redeemed of the Lord, we bring our worship. We function as the royal priesthood, and we bring that beauty that God created us for. He just didn't create everybody with crowns of glory and honor. He created mankind with honor and glory. That all glory belongs to the Lord. That peace belongs to the Lord, and we bring it. It's our worship. It's our. It's what we give back. It's what belongs to Him. It's what He what He actually created us to be. Now, where are you going with this, David? I've never really heard this before. Well, neither had I. <laughs> but I just, the Lord just opened my heart um, as I was reading these scriptures. And uh, uh, hopefully you can follow me here. I want to take you somewhere. Yes, you are crowned with glory and honor. What are we doing with that glory and honor? I trust that the redeemed of the Lord bring that glory and honor and offer it as worship, as incense to the Lord. You know, bringing all this together forms the royal priesthood whose sole purpose is to minister through King Jesus, our high priest, to God and to bring our worship. We're crowned with that glory and honor for a reason. Turn with me to Revelations 4. It's, this is the throne room, right? I'd like to spend more time in some of this, especially around Melchizedek, but time just doesn't uh, allow it. If you want to read more, um, Hebrews 7 it will help explain 
Jesus, the role of Jesus Christ and the connection with uh, Melchizedek and the priesthood. So uh, Revelations 4. And I'm starting, I'm going to read a passage here. I'm going to start at verse 4. Okay. So around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. They had crowns of gold on their heads, right? And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. I'm going to move forward to verse 8. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now look at verse 9. Now whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, there's those two words, glory and honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, Look at verse 10. It says, The 24 elders lives fine before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And look what they do. They cast their crowns. You know this scripture in isolation, but I'm going to connect it with that, with the royal priesthood. Who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor, right? And power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. You're not just an accident. You're not just here on purpose. Why do you love church? And why do you love to praise and magnify the Lord? You were created that way. And when you give your life to the Lord, when you opened your life to the very God nature, then there was something within you that wanted to spurn forth and go, yes, Lord, I exalt you. And when I join with my fellow brethren, brothers and sisters, there's something dynamic there because not only am I alone declaring your works and declaring your goodness and and casting my crown before you and giving you of my worship, but I'm with the priesthood doing the very same thing. And it's in that position and posture that Jesus, or the God, inhabits the praises of his people. It's fascinating. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor. You know the 24 elders? Elders um, represent heads of families, right? Tribes and nations. We have elders in church. 24 the 24 elders are representative of the redeemed human race. Did you know that? And that the number 24 is the number of the priestly courses. I oh, can't get into that, but you can see it in Second Corinthians, uh, uh, Chronicles, um, how the 24 priestly courses were set up. Being said here is that these 24 elders are a type of the royal priesthood. They're type of they're representing us. They're actually representing the church. They're representing the royal priesthood. And there will be a day when the church, as we know it, will not be the church. We'll be taken away. We will be with the Lord. But we will be in this continual, perpetual um, state of revelation upon revelation when we get another glimpse. Because I don't know if you've read. There's 
There's so many eyes in chapter 4 coming out of creatures. It, it's, it, it's, it's bamboozling. But there's, that's because there's revelation after revelation after revelation, perpetual revelation of the greatness and magnitude of our God. And every time we hear these words, holy, 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 we can't do anything else but give God glory, honor that belongs to him. He gave it to us. It's that portion, it's that portion of us in our spirit that we want to give back to him, right? It's how you were created and how we were created to be. And just to finish, it says, chapter 5, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. You're a king and you're a priest alongside Jesus, our high priest, and we shall reign on the earth. So this isn't just for when we get to heaven. This is for now. This is church is to be this now. Now that's been a lot. It's been quite um, detailed in many respects. But I want to say, if you're, if you're here this morning, you belong to the Lord, you're part of a royal priesthood. What does the royal priesthood do and signify? It signifies us as believers who have that dynamic aspect, that God peace, which is the glory and honor that we're crowned with, that we come together to form the royal priesthood. And as we form the royal priesthood, we lift up that shout of praise. We cast our crowns before the Lord and we give Him all of the glory, all of the honor. And it's in that moment that we see God inhabit the praises of his people. Let's stand and let's just bless the Lord. Let's, let's just function as the royal priesthood as we close out this morning. He is worthy. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy, worthy, is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and that all that are in them i heard them say blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever forever hallelujah then the four living creatures said amen and the 24 elders fell down again and again and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Hallelujah. He deserves all our praise and all of our worship. Bring your honor and bring your glory every time you come to the house of the Lord. He's worthy of all of it. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps in blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.